Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Discount it or neglect it or, or consider it indifferent that a mighty, omnipotent God has looked down from heaven and loved us so much that he gave us his only son. And there on the cross, Lord, he paid the price. And he said, no one takes my life, I give it freely. And I pray, O oh God, that the Spirit of the Lord would be upon us tonight, that we might understand the large inheritance we have, the supernatural provisions of a vast and epic God who has given us all things together with his Son. And as he says in his word, fear not my small flock, because it has pleased the Father to give you, to, to, um, to transfer over his kingdom that you might delight, Father, from darkness to light, everlasting, marvelous light, a light that's brilliant and shines ever brighter with each passing moment. We pray that you would bless your word tonight and that it would be a good seed planted in good hearts, Lord. Remove everything in our hearts that's twisted and wicked and indifferent, O oh God, to you and what you have done. And allow us to receive that message and that through your spirit it becomes a reality. And that we, even though we be dead bones on the, on the, on the depth of a valley like in Ezekiel, Lord, that you would speak over these dry bones and that they would take their place in order and fill themselves with sinews and ligaments and flesh would cover us and that we would become a strong army for your glory, Lord. As we prophesy your word today, Lord, that your spirit might move, Father God, and those that are paralyzed by indifference and apathy would awaken and resurrect to a living hope in Christ Jesus. And we pray, Father God, that you would do greater and exceedingly above great things as we have prayed tonight. And we believe that we are the called of God, that there is no other that we're waiting upon. You're waiting upon us, Lord, as we, Father God, believe in your promises and that we would flourish in the house of God. We would be fruitful in your presence, O oh God. And we pray that this word would be a transforming, a transition in our life as we cross over from death to life evermore. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. So the source of our inspiration is God himself. And I want to tell you, as God is up in heaven, he, I don't know if you've ever had the stamina of not sleeping. Anybody ever had the thrills and the 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 sensation of not being able to sleep all night because you're on to something really good. Um, uh, and, and for a different people, it's different things. But for God, it's us. And in Psalm 121, verse 3, he says, He ever lives to make sure that we not slip. He's looking down from heaven, and he has the enthusiasm and the emotion. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not wink an eye. He's not going to be just one moment that he's not paying attention. I've come into this reality. At times we feel that God is no longer in the picture. At times we feel God is no longer connected. But I want to tell you that, that he's connected more than you or ever dream of him being connected. Us in our human state, we get like David in Psalm 13. If you, if you ever want to be depressed, you read Psalm 13 and you see the depressions and the depravity of man who begins to even shout. He says, oh Lord, how long will you forget me forever? How, how, how long? Let me ask you something. Does God forget us ever for a second? Well, this is a man that is far skewed and distorted in his perspective. Because God says, I promise I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. I'll be with you to the last day. That's, that's his promise. That's his reality. That's his presence. But David is depressed. So in verse 2 he says, Lord, not only will you forget me forever, but how long will you hide your face from me? God is looking at us. His eyes do not sleep. He is expectantly, urgently awaiting to see you get on task with him. How long will, you, will I take counsel in my soul? I have to encourage myself, Lord, because you have no words of encouragement. Let me ask you something. Is there one word in the Bible that encourages anybody? Just one? Let me tell you something. When you're getting ready to go to jail, you know what book you want to take with you? The only book that encourages a man without hope, and it's called the Bible. 
When you're at the hospital and you're dying of cancer, there's only one book that people read as they close their last breath. And you know what that book is? It's the book of hope. It's called the book of encouragement. It's talking about the words that feed not only your physical body, but your spirit, and they carry your soul. And this is the reality. So if we are like a corpse and we have passed off into oblivion in our reaction of life, it's because we're disconnected to life support. We don't have the word of God flowing in our hearts and reviving our spirits. So he says, um, how long will I take my own counsel and have to encourage myself and sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Let me ask you something. If you're in the purpose of God, how will the enemy be over you? Zero and none. They will be under your feet. Every single adversity, every single, I, I rejoice because I'm really into this, you know. And when people come and tell me, look, this is my situation, I start smiling. You know why I start smiling? Because I have an omnipotent God who works in the realm of the impossible. He will make your head flip around a thousand times as you freak out at as how he's able to do stuff. This testimony of Nick is just a, a, an, an example of this. I mean, um, no arms and no legs and smiling? What, what does he have? I'll tell you what he has. He has a spirit of God on him. He has purpose. He has the embrace of a God who hugs him in, a, in very, um, really deep times. But here David continues. He says, how long will I sorrow daily? How long will my enemy be exalted? Consider and hear me, Lord. You're not, your ears are not open to me. Enlighten my eyes. Let me see. I'm sleeping the sleep of death. I'm so depressed. I'm about to die. Let my enemy say I have prevailed against him. You know, you, when you start hearing what the devil's plan for your life is louder than God's plan, you have a serious problem, my friend. When you start quoting scripture, um, uh, or stop quoting scripture and you start quoting the devil, you know, like he says, I'm never going to get married. I have no future. Did you see all that? He, he was preaching the devil's gospel right there. And then God says, I know the plans I have for you to give you a future and a hope. I'm going to blow you up. The whole world's going to know you. You're my precious. You're the apple of my eye. You're my daughter. You have a large inheritance in my purpose. I didn't just come up with, with just bringing you upon the earth without purpose. He says, lest my enemy says I have the victory. Lest those who trouble me, those who afflict me, rejoice me when I am fallen and moved. Uh, you know something, I can't, I can't help but to know what God does to my enemies. I just, I just you know, I'm sorry. I, I know, listen to me, you mess with my daughter, you have some serious problems. And God has said that I'm the apple of his eye, and he doesn't let anybody mess with me. And, and they could stand up, and they could say a thousand things. I just wait. I said, man, you just have no idea. You have no idea what God does to those people that come against me. And, and, and truly, it's just, it's just powerful. David told Goliath, you know, you want to make me birdseed, but you don't know that I'm not coming against you with a spirit or a sword, and I have no plans, but I have a God who's about to crush you under my feet. And so that's the inspiration of these enemies that want to trouble us. And, but I, this is where he gets good because he finishes, he finishes the psalm of his depression saying, I have to remember who I'm talking to here. And I have to remember the caliber and the character of this man who I'm talking about. In verse 5, he says like this, But I have trusted in your mercy, and my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I know you're coming for me. I know you're going to turn this thing around. I know this boat's going to float. I know this airplane's going to fly. I know my life is just going to... It has purpose. And then he goes on to say, he says, because you have never, um, I will sing to the Lord because, verse 6, he says, I can sing in the midst of this situation because he has always dealt bountifully towards me. He's always showed up. He's always been there. As far back as I could look, I should have died a long time ago, and God has sustained me in his mercy. The sad part about it, we haven't got the picture clearly. Going back to Psalm 121 and verse 3, where it says that God is overlooking his creation. He's not moved. He, he says he won't allow us to be moved because he doesn't sleep. Verse 4. Psalm 121, 4, he says, Behold, the one who keeps his people shall neither, neither sleep nor slumber. He's not, he's not dozing off and unattended to the affairs of man. 
And I want to tell you, as I look at Scripture, I'm seeing a God with faithful design. And, and see, he was faithful in design way before Christ was ever on the picture. Now the name of his son and the blood of his son is upon you. The name and the blood has been poured out and it covers you. And so that's redeeming effect. So here's what the consequences of knowing that our God is a faithful God. And, and when you have that as a reality, more than a religion, more than just philosophical thoughts of, of listen to me, a reality. Psalm 123 says like this, 122. I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of God. I'm going to go visit and get my life spiritually tuned with the reality of God because I want to end up like Nick and not like a lot of people committing suicide and being frustrated and becoming a drunkard and believing a drug addict and popping pills. And I can tell you um, vast stories of people who have decided to believe Satan. Do you guys know a couple of those stories? Uh, people that just blow their brains out, people who don't care. Listen to me. Um, there's a word that is straight from the pit of hell. It's called indifference. It's called apathy. And if you're in a state of apathy, and here's apathy, whatever, this is what they say, whatever. So what? Who cares? That's the work of Satan. Because first and foremost, the omnipotent God who's in heaven, he cares. And he moves in the direction of that which he cares for. And he makes us the object and the devotion of his love. He's really into this 100%. If you see that reality, you say, I will rejoice when those who said, let us go to the house of God. And our feet have been standing within the gates of Jerusalem. And that city and that place that God has given us is to give thanks to the name of the Lord. And there, there will be peace and prosperity for those that are within your walls. Verse 7, peace within your walls, prosperity within your palaces. And for the sake of the brethren and companions, I will now say, peace be with you. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek what God has with regards to my inheritance. Guys, I don't know if you know your inheritance in the Lord, but I want to tell you a little bit of before the Lord what my inheritance was. It was zero, negative zero. It was worth nothing. Now, coming to the Lord and fulfilling the call of God in my life, I can tell you that the vast riches of wealthy men have come into this place and says, Joaquin, I want to financially reward you. And I'm like, are you kidding me? All the money in the world I would not trade for the love I have in God. All the finances, the greatest treasures, the greatest invitations, the devil showed Jesus the kingdoms of this world and says, guess what? The kingdom of my father is a lot better than yours, and I refuse to follow your ways and believe your words and have my own plans. So I want to get spiritually tuned with what God has for me. I, I showed you there that God is so intently involved in this, 1 Peter 1.12, New Testament. The Bible says that these things are so wonderful. God is so into them. It says that as he was revealing his plan through the prophets, and these people who have now reported to you, those who have preached the good news through the Holy Spirit, because that's the, the nexus, the people cannot get what I'm talking about tonight because they're not connected with the Spirit of God. We'll see that later. But these people that were connected and spoke out of the Spirit of God, they began to speak of the things that were being sent from heaven. Things, and you underline it. Please underline this. I mean, the, the angels have seen some pretty intense stuff. But they see God's passion. They see his compassion. They see the emotional movement of the bowels of God towards us towards his creation, and the angels, the angels want to understand why. Why is God so interested with man? Why are the angels saying, man, why is he so intent on connecting these people with his eternal purpose? Because I guarantee you, as Nick connected to his eternal purpose, the glory of God is seen, and Oprah has to say, everybody shut their mouth and look what God does. She's preaching the gospel. And the gospel is a man who has received his inheritance from a faithful, loving, merciful God. And you, my friend, are a trophy of his grace if you don't fall short of his grace. 
Because if you fall short of his grace, then you are a disgrace. Your life is a mess up only because of one reason. Not because there's no inheritance, but because you refuse to humble yourself because God gives grace to the humble. And he resists the proud. He's not going to give an inheritance to a prodigal son, to someone who's far from the house, wasting the talents, the treasures, the giftings of the Lord. I want to tell you that as God is, is passionately looking into the earth and invested and moved by his compassion, that also the spirit of the Lord. And I want to tell you in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, that the Holy Spirit of God, it it cries. I don't know if you've ever cried. How many have ever cried? I'm not talking about boo-hoo or na-na. Or I'm talking about <laughs> that you're, you're just, uh, who said that the other day? Somebody was talking, it was, it was Wellington Boone. He was talking about when snot is running down your face and you're in the, in the floor and you're just, you're, just, you're just moaning at that moment. There's no words that could describe your feelings. And the Bible says, likewise, the Spirit helps us when we are unable the Spirit of God gets us in that, the connection of the, listen to me, sometimes it's not going to be able to be a, a brother or a sister or a friend or a father or a family member because they just don't have it. If, if they give you what they have, man, there's going to be two depressed people. There's going to be two people that are broken down in their weaknesses, but the Spirit, the Spirit helps in the midst of our weakness. We don't know what we should pray. Or how we should pray. But the Spirit makes intercession. And with groanings that cannot be articulated and uttered, the, the Spirit of God, with travail like a woman is giving birth, and, and the Spirit of God will cause you to yearn for the things of God. And no compromise. But you must be filled with that Spirit. You must not be filled with the spirit of the apathy of this world. And the Bible says the spirit intercedes with groaning, yearnings that you might be birthed into the purpose of God. And so sometimes we need to disconnect from the natural. And he told them, you guys go to Jerusalem and you better make sure you drink this stuff. You better get drowned and drunk with the Spirit of God or else you're not going to be enthusiastic. You're not going to be motivated to be martyrs. Let's go die for the cause of God. Let's put our life aside. Let's put our professions aside. Let's put our, our goals aside that we might attain the high call in Christ. You can only do that through the Spirit of God. And that's the inheritance that's laid up for us. And then finally, Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. In Hebrews chapter 7, you know the Father is passionate. You know the Spirit is yearns. And then Jesus Christ, he says he lives forevermore. Hebrews 7, 24. His entire life is to remain as a faithful, you know, unchanging priest. Verse 25, forever he's able to save and bring people to the highest place, always living to pray for us that we might attain to this. Our prayers need to be connected to God's prayers. We need to be yearning the things of God. I said, God, I don't want nothing in this world but that which you have for me. With description, with detail. I, I, the Lord saw my children before they were born. He knows them. He gave them to me. There's people that aren't receiving the inheritance of God, that are not pursuing the glory of God, that are not connected. This is a condition called apathy. The word apathy in Greek is without a company feeling. You don't feel what I feel up here. You're not connected with, with the God who's even more connected to me. More connected. The Bible says that he captures your every tear in a bottle. You go figure that out. He knows our sigh when we go. He sees it. He's close to us. He knows about every single hair on your head. He knows it. He sees it. He knows your burden. So when you don't have this understanding, this is a condition called apathy, without feeling, without enthusiasm, without uh, interest, indifferent. 
You're walking disconnected. And you know what that's called? In the Old Testament, in the New Testament, it was called leprosy. It was when your, your feelings just felt, you know, that you had no feeling in your finger. It was a condition. You would fall off. Leviticus 13 says, if anyone has this condition, they were to go and see the priest. Leviticus 13, verse 1. If you have this condition, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, verse 2, when a man has on his skin of his body a swelling scab, a hurt, a, bl- a blight, a bright spot, and becomes on the skin of his body like a leprous sore. When he starts having feelings of indifference, then he shall be brought to the priest or to the sons of the priest. We need to check this out. Let me tell you why. Because apathy spreads like leprosy. It takes a second for you to be connected with somebody who's like, man, that's a different spirit. Whatever. Who cares? I don't care. All this is a spiritual issue. And that's leprosy. And then you start the dismemberment. Since you don't care, the things start falling away. And you start losing. And it's terminal. And it was so terminal, they would send them to the, to the priest to check upon how bad this uh, skin condition was. It says in verse uh, 2, when a man has this, verse 3, after going to the priest, the priest shall examine them and find out what is the condition and and if the hair is on the sore, turn white, and the sore appears to be deeper and it's not just skin, but it's gone deeper in. And he shall examine the leprous sore and the priest shall examine him and pronounce him unhealthy. It's not healthy. If you're not talking about the hope you have in Christ, it's the only hope you have, my friend. He's the only one that cares. And you don't care about the one that cares. This one lady came a couple years ago, and she had been run away from home. She was about 35 at the time, and she had been a homeless. She hadn't taken showers in six months, and her hair was crusty with crap and garbage and she smelled like stench and and she says I want to kill myself and her mom called me and says my daughter wants to talk to you tonight I said bring her to the house of the Lord you want to know why because I care I care about what God cares about and in this world where nobody cares about anything the spirit of the Lord cares a lot about all things and how dare we say we don't care so she came to the church I said listen to me I want to bring you to my house And she's like, you're crazy. Nobody wants to bring me to my house, not even my mom. I said, yeah, but I want to bring you to my house, and the Spirit of the Lord is going to renew you, and it's going to cleanse you, and we're going to bathe you, and we're going to wash you. And and so this all all thing took place. The next morning, I took her to the beauty salon, and I said, hey, do me a favor, mister. Could you get into this stuff? And he says, like, man, you are crazy, but yeah, we'll do it. We'll, We'll partner with you to care about things that should be different. And so this woman slept in our house for a good two weeks, and, and I think it was like five days because she says, all I hear in this house is Jesus, 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 Jesus. I don't want no more of Jesus. I said, look, nobody in this world cares about you. Only Jesus does. No one. You have no hope outside of Jesus. They won't pay a dime for you in the corner. They won't open the door. They're not going to feed you. They're not going to welcome you. Only the Spirit of God does that. It's a spirit that's not ours. It's a precious spirit. The Bible says that he will pour down his spirit on us and cause us to be transformed. Now, these people who had this issue, they had to go around telling everybody, I'm unhealthy. And that would have helped a lot in the modern Christian church. They had to go around saying, I'm unclean, stay away from me because you're going to get what I have, which is called apathy. It's called indifference. And it's, it's, it has its, its insight on pride. It has its insight on, on partnering with sin and rebellion. And so that's what causes people to not care. So verse 45, Leviticus 13, 45. Any person with a serious degree of leprosy. Now this goes beyond just a normal, well, I'm not feeling too good today. Well, hopefully you'll feel good tomorrow. But if six months go by and you don't feel good, I guarantee you, that God's not going to make you a part of his body. And that's, that's, that's a serious indictment. But he says, listen to me. Since you're not hot or cold, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Since you're indifferent and complacent, and you think you can sit out there and act like it doesn't matter, it matters. 
And it matters to God. It matters gravely to God. He says, if you're going to cause one of my little ones to stumble, it's better that you would tie a limestone to your neck and throw yourself off from the Kibis Game Bridge. That's Jesus Christ. He's not going to allow your indifference and your apathy to cause one of the little ones to stumble with the greatness of the glory of God, the awesomeness of his, his plans for us. So there it is. He says, anyone with a serious skin disease, Leviticus 13.45, who must wear, must wear torn clothes, leave his hair loose and unbrushed, he cannot be groomed, cover his upper lip and cry out, I am unclean. You want to take on those robes of unrighteousness? When Christ has washed you with his blood and forgiven you and embraced you and grabbed you as one of his own, and you walk around like if you're homeless, you walk around like if that hasn't happened and it's not true, the Lord says, you go around now and tell everybody you're unhealthy. As long as anyone has these sores, that one continues to be ritually unclean. He, he can't, verse 40, um, yeah. Verse, verse 46 now. He says, uh, He shall be unclean all the days he has these sores. He shall be unhealthy. He's unclean and he shall dwell, listen to me, ready? Alone. Alone. Now let me ask you a question. Does God want to heal the leper? Absolutely. He came and healed all lepers. Let me ask you another question. Does God want you to dwell alone? Absolutely not. That goes totally contrary his dwelling shall be outside the camp. Listen to me. The world, the darkness, the gnashing of teeth are for people who could care less. Those are, you can't be part of God's team and walk around like you're indifferent and don't care. That's not going to happen. I mean, this is what makes us spiritually charged. Romans 12, 11, He writes these words. Not being dragging your feet in your walk, not lagging in diligence. Don't show up late to church. If you were to show up at a concert, what time are you going to be there? What time? And if you're the one that's performing, what time are you going to be there? And so we are the people of God. I, I, could, I can take somebody who doesn't know Jesus straggling in at the last minute. He doesn't know it. He should see you like this, praising, worshiping God, Serving in the house of the Lord, not lagging in diligence. And he says, fervent. Fervent in spirit. You can tell a person who's fervent in spirit, they're serving the Lord. Amen. They're here all day. You could come. I love seeing Danny come today. He says, I have Wednesdays off. I'm going I'm to be serving the Lord. I'm going to be serving the Lord. I'm, I wanna, I want, on Wednesdays, I'm going to be here serving the Lord. And guess what? As you become part of God's game plan, it's just going to take you in a direction you never even dreamed. You never even dreamed. So that's why Paul is saying this. And so some of us need healing from our spiritual leprosy. And this was David. He fell in that apathy of indifference. And where he says in Psalm 51 verse 8, he says, Lord, can you please motivate me and make me to hear gladness again? I'm not excited about what you've done. I don't see it in my life anymore. You guys know why, right? He was distracted and he fell in sin. And now he lost his passion. He lost his compassion. He lost his inspiration. He lost the spirit of God. So he says, Lord, make me to hear joy and gladness. That my bones that you have broken might rejoice. I straggled. I, 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 I became indifferent. Verse 9, it says like this. He says, hide your face from my sins. Get rid of these things in my life that doesn't allow me to feel the expressions of joy. Verse 10. Create in me, on the inside, something different. Because if, if I'm not connected to what you want to do, what you have done, what, who you are and your character, the spirit of God that yearns, that moans, that groans, if I'm not connected to that, it's because something in the inside of me is wrong. Could you stick your hand in there? Can you touch me again? Can you renew my spirit Within me, verse 11, do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Don't divorce me from your plans. Verse 12, restore to me the joy of my salvation. 
Uphold me with your generous spirit. Give me back that joy that comes as a consequence. The smile on this man's face, the reality of God's embrace, you know, to sit there and say, I'm going to have a son that has to blow anybody's brains up. Because the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, hasn't even entered into the plans of the heart of man. you got to ask God. Things prepared before the foundations of the earth. Things that, that it says that when we're living them, those that were in captivity shall return with rejoicing, and they will be like if they were dreaming. And I know there's people in this place that are dreaming. I know it for a fact. There's people that say, you know something, don't wake me up, man. Don't wake me up because I'm living the passion of a faithful God. He upholds me with his generous spirit. Verse 13, he says, if you do this, then I will be effective teaching others your ways. If it becomes a reality in me, I will be contagious, not with an apathetic, leprous, indifferent spirit, unconnected, disinterested. I am going to teach people how to get connected. I will teach others your ways, and sinners will want what I have. Sinners will follow me to the house of God. Sinners will ask me to speak to them about the Lord. Now, Matthew 24, verse 10 says that in the last days, because wickedness has increased, the love of many will grow cold. The indifference. Who are you connected to? I I can tell you what, what you're into just by who you hang out with. And you cannot. It says, then many will be offended. They will be betrayed. Listen to me. Have you ever tried to offend a man that's filled with the Spirit of God? Have you ever tried? It's impossible. It's impossible to offend a man that is filled with the Spirit of God. You cannot. Because he receives his acceptance from God. Can't get offended. I'm not talking to you anymore. <laughs> oh, that's fine. And God talks to me all the time. I'm not going to hang out with you. That's fine. God will never leave me. Well, I don't like you. Well, I love you. Because my, my love comes from the Spirit of God that's poured out in my heart, not from what you give. You can't take my joy. You can't take my peace. You can't take my love because my source is huge. It's a wellspring of life unto everlasting. It's for eternity. But these people, they fall out of relationship, being offended, betrayed, disloyal, hating one another. That's a spirit of apathetic, indifferent people. Verse 11, it says, it says, because of the increase of wickedness, many false prophets will rise up. Verse 12, and because of everybody not caring, lawless, this will abound in the last days and the love of many will grow cold. Many will be indifferent to this. But you know what the Bible says in verse 13? That if we hang on to the end, we will see salvation. We will see the fruit of hanging on. And so I want to ask you tonight as we start closing. We've got two more hours. No, I'm just kidding. I want to ask you tonight, seriously, this is the word of the Lord for you tonight. Does it matter to you? Does it matter? Does getting to church late matter? To not participate, does it matter? To not be connected with God's people, does it matter? To not read the word of God, does it matter? To not pray, does it matter? And when nothing matters, then everything becomes the loss of God, the loss of his inheritance. Nothing matters. That's the devil's game plan. He told Adam and Eve, it won't matter if you eat that tree. Nothing's going to happen. You know, God's not going to do right and wrong. It's not going to go good. It's not going to go bad. Listen to me. Whenever you get in a state where it says it doesn't matter, you're in the devil's football field. You're going down. He's going to tackle you. You're going out. Don't worry about what God says. Don't worry about not eating the food. Don't worry about overstepping his bounds. Whatever. Who cares? Just be casual. Be complacent. Be indifferent. Lose your feelings. Proverbs 1.20 says that wisdom cries in the street. She raises up her voice. And she's calling out to those that are apathetic, indifferent. She cries out. She says, she calls aloud. I've been loud tonight. She raises her voice to those people that are out there, disconnected. Verse 21. She's calling. She cries out in the chief places, in the openings of the gates of the city. She speaks her words. Verse 22. She says, 
How long? How much longer are you going to take your indifference? I told one young girl, but you're 13. You're going to be indifferent when you're 25, when you're 28, when you're 30, when you're 40, when you're 45. How are you going to let the devil steal your life? How long will you simple, apathetic, indifferent, mockers, you continue to mock these things, postponing them. Fools hate knowledge. They don't want to learn the right way of doing anything. Verse 23. Turn. Awaken. Say, Lord, heal my leprosy. You guys remember when the lepers would come up to Jesus? Son of David, have mercy on me. I can't live alone. I can't live outside the camp. I can't live without my family. I can't see this thing being destroyed. The leprosy is contagious. It will go into generations. It says, turn at my rebuke, because I promise you, if, if you repent, if you say, God, I, I want to be a light bulb in this world. I want to shine for your glory. I don't want any darkness in my life, in any realm. He says, if you turn, he will surely pour out his spirit on you and, and get intimate with you. I don't know if you know what it is to be intimate with God. And people say, Pastor, I want to I learn how God talks to you like that. How he, how he wakes you in the middle of the night and says, hey, you know, how, how is it that you're intimate with God? How is it? How is it? God's spirit will come so close. You're going to have a smile on your face all day as he speaks words of life. Now, he, he gave the answer there to turn, and he's going to pour out his spirit, and he's going to draw closer to you. But in verse 24, he says, because I called you and you refused, I've stretched out my hand. I said, come on, come on. And you did not consider it worthy to grab my hand. No one regarded it. Just left it out there, hanging. You left God hanging. Now, I have good excuses to leave God hanging. I remember one time it was, it was with uh, Brandon. Brandon remembers too. I said, Brandon, give me five. And he must have been six, man. And I stayed there like a good 20 minutes, and Brandon left me hanging. And it broke my heart. It broke my heart. And, and late at night, I was still depressed, 10 o'clock at night, and Brandon left me hanging. I was, I was there, man. I wanted to make a connection. And he left me. And, and I just said, he says, Dad, why are you upset? I said, man, you left me hanging. You left me hanging. He goes, Dad, I didn't know it was so important to you. I didn't know it was so important to you. And guess what? It's important to our dad. To not be indifferent in the light of his goodness. His promptness to our lives. His plans. He's vibrant in his expressions. We, we've done a miserable job. I repent tonight for be doing a miserable job. I, all my pastorally, shepherdly, preacher career, I said, Lord, will you please forgive me that I haven't been able to express the intensity of your love. I haven't been able to incorporate what God desires for people. And that's not only my role. That's your responsibility too. That's your responsibility. People hear about how excited you are to go to your dad's house and to worship him and to thank him and to serve him. And, and Paul says, giving him your entire life. And let me tell you something. Nothing you give to God, he's going to fall short of what you give him. Nothing. Everything you, I was scared when I first got saved. If I give my life to God, he's going to make me a monk in some cave. Scared. But seeing what God has done in my life in the last 29 years, as a young 16-year-old, I gave him my life, and then my law career, my everything. And what he's done has been glorious. Glorious. And so the wisdom is crying out. And he says, because I've called and you refused, because I stretched my hand and you didn't hear it, and you treated, verse 25, you treated as nothing my words. And you would not be moved by my calling. You would have none of my calling in your life. 
Verse 24, because I have called you and you refused and have stretched out my hand and you didn't hear. He says it again. Because this was a reality and you treated me as nothing, all my counsel, and would not accept any of my call, when all hell breaks loose on your life, it's going to be very humorous to me when your calamity befalls you. Verse 26. It's going to be humorous to me that I had all these things and I, in turn, will mock when destruction comes upon you, when you fall apart in your leprosy-stricken reality. Verse 27, when your panic comes as a storm, when desolation turns into calamity, when whirlwind is a result of not sowing good seed, the Bible says he who sows neglect, he who sows the wind will reap up the whirlwind. A hurricane. It will come like a whirlwind and distress anguish you. And people don't like this. People, people say, Pastor, see this? This is where I don't like your preaching. When you start trying to scare me, listen to me. Trust me, I'm not scaring you. You're going to cry tears of blood, of suffering, because you are indifferent to God calling you, calling you in. Your indifference is, is going to be the result of your own consequence. Verse 29 No, verse 28, then they will call upon me and I will be indifferent. They will seek me early and they'll pray and then they will not find me. Verse 26, because they hated knowledge and they did not choose to revere and fear me and would have none of my advice and despise my rebuke. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own indifference and be satiated, satisfied with their own plannings. For the backsliding of apathetic, indifferent people shall kill them. The careless, those who don't care, The careless ease of those that are self-confident will be destroyed. But whoever moves in the direction of my voice and wisdom shall dwell securely and confidently and shall be quiet without fear of evil. Now, one of the rebukes that we have in Isaiah 32, 9 is, Hey, women, why are you so excited about the mall, about your hair, about new stuff that's coming out, and you're not excited about me? How come you can converse all week long about a thousand things and I never come up in the conversation? Rise up, you women who are at ease. Hear my voice, you apathetic, complacent, disconnected, disinterested daughters. Give your ear to what I'm saying. Verse 10. In a year and some days you will see trouble come, you indifferent women. God always, always, always sounds the alarm. You complacent women, for the harvest will fail and the gathering will not come. You slept on the time of sowing and working the land. You were indifferent. Verse 11, he says like this. Tremble, you women who are at ease. Be troubled, you complacent ones. Strip yourselves and make yourselves bare and gird sackcloth to your waist. Get ready for the poverty that was going to hit you. Why? Indifference for verse 13. For the land of my people growing over with thorns and briars. Yes, for all the houses of joy in the joyous city. The palace shall be forsaken. You don't want to be a princess? Fine. Shall be deserted. And the hill and the watchtower shall come dens, wild animals. Endlessly a joy for wild donkeys and pastures for the flock. See, the whole turning around of this situation is verse 15. When he says, until you're moved by my spirit. Until the spirit of the Lord is poured upon you from on high. And all that desert of yours will become a fruitful field will become a field that people will look and say, you know something, there used to be nothing there, and now look at this forest. Look at this, the the consequences of the Spirit of God and the fruitfulness of the Lord. Sephaniah 1.12 says like this, I will search throughout Jerusalem, and I will look and search with a lamp. He's going to search out and come against all those who are settled in complacency, who say in their hearts, listen to what, what is leading to indifference and apathy, it doesn't matter if I get on fire for God or if I don't get on fire for God. It doesn't matter if I'm really serving him with excellence or if I'm just lagging behind, dragging my feet. God's not gonna do nothing. Who say in their heart, the Lord will not do good and he won't do evil. Serving God is in vain. 
It's not, it's not going to move anything. It's not going to change anything. And that is the attitude of these people. Therefore, the Bible says in verse 13, their houses, their goods shall become booty. The devil's going to rack you. He's going to plunder booty is, is what is gained by the opposite side. Their houses will be desolate. They shall build houses but not inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards. They're going to work the field harder, but they'll drink no wine. There won't be any consequence. I want to encourage you today. Um, I know what is able to make me return to God. I know what's able to get me charged and on fire. He says, I wish that you were hot or cold, but I'll vomit you out of my mouth. So return from where you have fallen. I want to ask you a question. Where was that place that you were passionate about Christ? For some of you, you're going to say never. I was too small. I didn't remember. But for others of you, man, this was 24-7, seven days a week. You couldn't get enough of that stuff. We were talking with the men at the men's uh, gathering on Tuesday night. You know what it, what, <laughs> to be a serious little league parent and child, and we ask, because we have professional little league coaches, you cannot consider yourself a serious little league parent or child unless you go out three times a week for at least two hours each time. That's six hours a week, little league. So let me ask you a question. A Christian that comes to the house of God for two hours on Sunday, is he for real? He doesn't even qualify as a serious Christian. He's not motivated to do nothing for the Lord. And he considers it a drag to have to go to church on Sunday. And let me tell you something. There, that's called apathy. But for me, there's nothing more pathetic than a person that doesn't know how it brings joy to the heart of God to see us gathered here. Amen. Being his people, focused on his game plan. You know, every time I hear one of the the news of what's going on here. Like we heard Omar's engagement with Erica. We hear about the, uh, about the marriage conference coming down the road. They've invited us to do conferences at Walter's. Like, man, I want to get involved, but I, I got some things. I, listen to me. There's no more passionate reality to my life than to seeing the people of God charged, charged and playing on a team. Playing on a team. I just said, what do you guys need? Water boy. We, we, we want to take everything we're doing for God and just blow it up to another level. Amen. Just everything that we can do for God, we want to take it to the highest level. You want to know why? Because we represent him. Because we carry his name. His name set me free. It healed me. It restored my parents' marriage. It's kept our marriage. It's blessed my children, my nieces, my nephews. To everyone that I could ever take the name of Jesus, there's a powerful transition and transformation. Let's stand on our feet tonight. And, and you know, again, I, I want to really press upon you that this has nothing to do with people extra... Uh, People that are beside you. No, because I, you know something. Um, today I had to come to church in a car and the air conditioner only worked on low. <laughs> What's going on, man? What is up? Let's get excited. Let's get excited about what God, that, you know, he, he says here in Timothy, and, and for those of you that don't know, and I just read it, he, he says like this, he says, I want to make you vessels of honor. I, I want to encourage you with this. You want to know why? Because the devil wants to make you a vessel of dishonor. And, and, and I didn't understand that. You, you know, I was, I was a, I, you guys know I didn't read the Bible until I was about 17, so I'm slow. And I didn't understand it until I was 21, I'm slow. And I'm just getting to understand it real good right now. But I didn't know I didn't know what a vessel of honor was from a vessel of dishonor. I didn't know. 2 Timothy 2.20. In a great house, there's not only vessels of gold and silver, 
There's also vessels of wood and clay. Some are going to be used for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the dishonor, he will be a vessel for honor, separated for the master's use, prepared for every good thing that God has prepared. So I was like, Lord, you know something? I don't know what a vessel of honor is and a vessel of dishonor, but let me tell you something. Every night I go home and I go into a private place and I bring out one of my cups and I take it to the refrigerator and I put ice in it, I put water, and that's my vessel I drink out of. And that's a clean vessel and I'm able to nourish myself from this cup. But years ago, I used to grab another little container and go fill it up with water and take it to my dog to drink. And that was a vessel of dishonor. See, I wouldn't drink out of that cup, nor would I put anything in that plate that was not worthy to share. God has not made you a dog bowl. God is not trying, he's not preparing you to, to sit there and, and, and to be put in a place that's unclean. Now, for some people in the Old Testament, they had a, a, another deeper setting of what a vessel of dishonor was, and it was actually the thing that carried the crap. After you went to the bathroom, they poured all the crap in there and they took it outside the city. You're not a vessel of dishonor. You're not to fill yourself up with the crap of this world and to be represented as a bucket full of crap. That's what we were, and I'm telling you, that's where I come from. My favorite verse in the whole Bible is 1 Samuel 2.8. He took me from the dung hill. He took me from the crapola, deep, deep, deep crapola. And the Bible says he washes us off and he prepares us to be princes to the earth. He washes us off. He gives us new robes of righteousness. And let me tell you something. The spirit of praise and rejoicing and enthusiasm, that's a robe of righteousness. That's the robe that we're supposed to be wearing. That's the robe. And, and Erica's buying her bridal. She's, 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 she's getting prepared to show off the brightness of his glory. Amen? So I want you tonight to just, you know, let's, let's, let's take five more minutes. And let's come before the altar of God and say, Lord, I need that spirit. I need that spirit in my life. It's an uplifting spirit. It's a cleansing spirit. It's a transforming spirit. As you share that reality of your story of what God has done with everyone, I promise you they'll be transformed in your presence. So the altar is open. We'll sing a song and, and we'll prepare our hearts to to change the attitudes because I, I promise you that all this comes down to attitude we rejoice for the dumbest things I, you know I got a Ferrari I got a Cadillac I got I got a raise whatever the thing is listen to me rejoice that your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life rejoice that you are part of God's team rejoice that he's perfecting you and he's called you a prince and you're the apple of his eye you're the you're you're the most precious thing to him Father, fill us with your spirit tonight. Fill us with your presence, oh God. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. We worship you. We thank you, oh God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.